San Francisco Zen Hospice is the final home for most of its terminally ill residents. Luca Singer has lived here for the last three weeks. He's been diagnosed with incurable brain cancer. The people here are just magical, loving, caring people. Just the vibration here is healing, and the food's amazing. Luca rests in a warm room with large bay windows filled with sunlight. His brain tumor causes him sharp pain at times, and he suffers from heavy depression. At Zen Hospice, Luca receives palliative care. Pain medication helps ease his physical discomfort, while gentle assistance from nurses and volunteers helps relieve his psychic and spiritual pain. I feel like royalty, and I feel spoiled from the moment I wake the moment I go to sleep, I'm really, I couldn't be in a better place. A person at the end of life can experience a host of other issues besides physical pain, stress, anxiety, fear, or depression. The modern hospice movement started in England in the 1940s and led the first efforts to address care at the end of life. It focused on comfort and quality of care, rather than on cure. Zen Hospice Director George Keller says hospice addresses the needs of the whole person. Everybody wakes up and says, I don't, I don't want to die just medicated and suffering. I want to die alert and aware. Let's change the policies to accommodate me. May I touch you? Would you like me to hold your hand? Would you like your feet raised? Are you warm? Or just be quiet. And that unfolds into a communication. Keller says as patients near the end of their lives, it's important for them to share their goals and wishes with the entire medical team, doctor, nurse, social worker, and chaplain. Do they want their lives prolonged as much as possible, or would they prefer comfort care? Many patients never have an opportunity to voice what is most important to them when it comes to the last phase of their life. Dr. V.J. Perriacoyle is Director of Palliative Care, Education, and Training at Stanford University's School of Medicine. And so then what happens is the default takes over. When patients get sick, they call 911, they end up in the emergency room. If they are seen as being pretty sick, they then get escalated to the intensive care unit, and then all kinds of procedures and treatments are given to them. That's because modern medicine's focus has been on curing illness and disease. In the operating room, the first light of its kind is installed. No portion of an operation is ever in shadow. While modern technology has helped prolong life, death has remained in the shadows. In 1995, a groundbreaking study found that many terminally ill patients experienced unwanted pain and suffering. That was a wake-up call for the medical system, but the response was slow. As recently as 15 years ago, most medical schools still did not offer courses in end-of-life care. And I think that's something that I think we often miss when we start presenting treatment options. Is but that times have changed as evidenced by this, this class in palliative care communication at UC San Francisco's medical school. 
Today, almost all medical schools offer at least some instruction in palliative care. We are definitely better than we were 20 years ago, but are we where we should be? Absolutely not. That's Stanford's Dr. V.J. Periacoil. Recently, the Institute of Medicine did a 20-year follow-up on looking at the state of uh, end-of-life care in the U.S. and found some major gaps that need to be addressed before we can actually claim that we are very good at providing care for patients at the end of life. One problem, though, there's a serious shortage of palliative care specialists. Dr. Jessica Nudick-Zitter works at Highland Hospital's intensive care unit in Oakland. I started out in my early years wanting to be a doctor who pulled lots and lots of tools out of hats and really was excited to be an ICU doctor, kind of wanted to be like the guys on ER. She's among the few ICU physicians who also specialize in palliative care. Dr. Zitter sees a lot of trauma on her shift, gunshot victims, AIDS patients, and homeless people. Many of them are close to death with little hope of recovery. Zitter says a doctor's first impulse is to do everything to keep them alive. What other test could I order here that might turn things around? Comfort care and resisting the urge to do more are often at odds with a medical culture's mission to cure illness and save lives. If you start backing off and saying, okay, come on team, let's sit down here for a second, let's talk about this. How is this really going to help? People kind of are uncomfortable with that. One of Dr. Zitter's recent patients was Tess, a woman with stage four lung cancer. Tess's daughter, Rebecca Mitchell, said her previous doctors were hoping to beat it with chemotherapy. Every doctor that we saw sort of during that period of time, they seemed positive, encouraging, like, okay, we've seen this before. We're going to try this. We're going to do this. This has worked before in the past. But Tess's cancer had metastasized and was spreading everywhere. During her last visit to the hospital, Jessica Zitter was her ICU doctor. She told Tess and Rebecca that aggressive treatments would do little to prolong life in this case. Honestly, I think that they both knew that. I think we all knew that, you know? I think even the doctors in the ICU knew it. It it just took somebody to acknowledge that. It's okay to say there's an alternative to this. Tess decided to stop further treatments. She went home and received palliative care through hospice until she passed away a month later. Honestly, I think she was just happy to be out of there and coming home and and not have to find the energy to get dressed the next day to go do some new procedure or to to get treated for something else. Um, That was a relief. She just sort of took control and said, I'm going to go home. I'm going to do the things that I want. When it's time to go, I'm just going to fall asleep and and not wake up. (laughs) Universal access to palliative care is still a long way off. But major healthcare systems, medical schools, and state health officials are taking steps to improve end-of-life care. Palliative services and professional training are more widely available than ever before. And palliative care advocates are hopeful that the hospice model of holistic, patient-centered care will one day become available to all. For Cross Currents, I'm Joanne Marr.